For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we dive back in this study through the book of Hebrews, talking about how Jesus is worth it. Through everything we may face, through everything we may go through, he is worth it. We are so glad to kick off 2019 with you diving back in. Uh, it's a little gray outside. It wasn't raining, but we don't vote a lot here at North Star. There's a lot of churches they vote all the time. We don't vote a lot. We are going to vote on something as a church real quick. If you're ready for winter to go, and spring to come. All in favor say aye. There we go. They got to get rid of winter, man. I'm so ready for springtime. It is unbelievable. Hebrews chapter 9. Go ahead. I'm going to let you get ahead in your Bible. Go ahead and turn there to Hebrews chapter 9. If you've got your app, that North Star Church app, if you've downloaded it from the store, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store on Android or Apple, you can download that. It has the notes in it, so it'll just help you catch up with us. So let, let's, let's catch up where we are today. Have you ever walked up on a conversation and the people People that you're with are talking about something and you don't get what they're talking about. So Atlanta United, how many Atlanta United fans are in the room? It's quite a few of you guys. How many of you are like me? You love sports, but you just don't understand soccer. Raise your hand. Okay, so we've got, we got some staff members of ours, and they would be talking about the Atlanta United, and I would want so bad to get involved, and I would like, so when's their next game? It's not a game, it's a match. Okay, I'm out of the conversation. All right, and so I would wander off talk about another sport because when you get on in a conversation you don't understand, they begin to talk about things you weren't at, you didn't see, you didn't experience, therefore it's really, really easy to check out on it. We're going to read something today that you and I, by nature, aren't going to know a lot about. The people that read this, this book of Hebrews, the writer that was writing to them, they're Jewish believers, they're second generation Jewish believers, meaning they did not physically see Christ, but they met Christ like we did. But this writer's writing about things from the Old Testament, but because of how they grew up, they would all, they would all understand it. It was their, part of their culture. It was part of their raising. It was part of how they were wired growing up. In Scripture, it's really interesting. There's two chapters written in all of Scripture about creation. God did a pretty good job on creation, and there's two chapters for creation. There's 50 chapters about this thing called the tabernacle, which is what we're going to talk about. That's what Hebrews 9 is all about. And unless you get it, it's going to be like walking in Atlanta United conversation. You're like, I want to get it. I just don't understand. So it, it, it will feel like that. How many of y'all have heard of the tabernacle before? Raise your hand if you're not the venue downtown. All right, that's not, not y'all going, oh, I went to a concert there. No, 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 that, that one. This is the Old Testament tabernacle. So I didn't know a whole lot. I'm like you. It's sort of like an Atlanta United conversation. I don't really get what's going on. So, got a little visual for you. I want you to look with me real quick. It's going to come up on the screen. I want you to look. So, this is a replica. Moses did not have the original iPhone and take a picture of this because there's a power pole right out beside it there in the front. Anyway, so this is a replica of what the Old Testament tabernacle looked like. God had an intention when he wanted the children of Israel to build this tabernacle because it was going to house what was known then as his presence. So you'll see the, the wall that would go around it, and there's an inner area, and then there's, a, then there's another inside to it. You can imagine, you know, even though there's a lot of gold and stuff in it, you can imagine out in a desert like that how dusty it would get. 
But what it did was it gave the people an idea that when they spoke about God and then when they wanted to sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins, there was a place they would go to, and it was called the tabernacle. Now, here's what it would look like on the inside. You would come in this, what they called the courtyard area and the altar of burnt offering. All right, so let's pause there real quick. Everybody look at me. This was the most frequently visited spot in the tabernacle because that area is where a priest would go and make penance for your sins. That's where they would go and offer sacrifice for your sins as that altar, the burnt offering. Those sins that those, those sins we're gonna read about here in a second that you're committing on a pretty frequent basis, that's where those sins would be offered up to the Lord is that altar burnt offering. And here's the deal. If this was back during this time, you all would go there. Everybody in here has sinned at least once in life, and you don't laugh out loud, all right? And so I think I think we need to talk after the service. But anyway, so but you there there's there's a there's a piece we miss the mark. We'll talk about it here in a second. Sin is missing the mark's not even what you do, right? So you would visit the altar burnt offering. The laver that was there was where the priest would go and they would wash and cleanse their hands before they would go in to make, make ultimate sacrifice because inside of that, the normal priest didn't go anymore. Only the high priest would go inside. You have the table of showbread, which, was the, which signified basically the 12 tribes of Israel with the golden lampstand. The incense altar represented the prayers of the people going up. And then inside of that was another area where the Ark of the Covenant was. And they would, so one time a year, this is crazy, one time a year, the priest would go in on your behalf and they would offer up sacrifice for you. But before they could do that, they had to go up and make sacrifice for them. So they would go in, they would make a offering for their sins because they committed sins, and then they would come back out, go back in with another animal, make offering for your sin. And most scholars believe there was a third offering basically made where they would come back up there would be three goats that they would take or three lambs and they would take the third one and then they would set it free they would let it go so one was their offering one was for your sin offering and the other was set free where the the, the term scapegoat came into being and so that that goat would go and carry basically the sins of the people and would would walk away with the sins of the people all of this, Jesus had something to do with. Because in the New Testament, written to these people who got it, they heard all these things were like, oh yeah, yeah, I grew up going to the tabernacle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up going to a priest who would go and make, make uh, account of my sin and make offering for my sin. Yeah, yeah, I get it. What Jesus did in Hebrews, there's this scarlet thread between Exodus 32 where all this is explained all the way to Hebrews chapter 9. Jesus came and fulfilled everything these guys started. Hebrews chapter 9, read in verse number 1. If at any point I'm saying something you're not reading, look up, and we'll have it on, the, on your app. We'll have it on the screens. Hopefully you got it in your Bible. Now, let's dive in. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness, which is what this was, this tent was. 
For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense, the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded in the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. So above it they had carved out these angels that represented angels that were above the, the mercy seat of the, of the Ark of the Covenant. These preparations having been thus, thus made, the priests go regularly into which section? Which one? The first. Remember, it's the frequently visited one. Performing their ritual duties. See, the priest's job, he was kept in business by sin. So he would, every time you would sin, you would go make an offering for that sin. You would go see the priest, the priest would go into the, the first area, and he would make an offering for your sin. And this was repeated over and over and over. But in the second, only the high priest would go. So the first area, any, any average old priest could get in. But the second, the, the inner side where the Ark of the Covenant was, only the high priest could get in. And he, but how many times a year would he go in? Once. He'd go in once a year. The high priest would go in once a year, and he would make ultimate atonement for your sins. Everybody look at me. Because we keep building up the sin debt, there had to be a payment continually made. Therefore, it was made in the outer court and made one time a year in the inner court. And the blood of an animal would cover that sin, listen, that had been committed. Not just you're going to commit that afternoon, but the sin that you had committed. That was what he was making an offering for. But look at what happened. And not without taking blood, which he offers for himself, and this is the interesting word, and we'll camp out on it for a second, but for the unintentional sins of the people. You know, there are those sins that we think through, and then there are those sins that just happen, right? I mean, they just, you, the, you're, you're living out your life, and you just do something. You didn't mean to do it, you, but, but you sinned. There was an act that was not right. It was not godly. It, it caused you to mix the mark. It could be lying. It could be, but you didn't think about it. You didn't intentionally get up going, today, I'm going to deceive my spouse. You didn't, you didn't think about it the way you just, you just did it. It was just an unintentional sin. Then there are those intentional sins. You know, like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go rob a store. I'm I am not going to rob a store, but I'm just saying, but you, you're meta, premeditating it. This is, these offerings were made for the unintentional sins of the people because here's the thing. We can't help ourselves. We don't want to, but we just find ourselves doing things we don't want to do, we know we shouldn't do, but we keep repeating these patterns over and over and over. Therefore, those sins have to be atoned for over and over and over. Here's the deal. Yes or no question. Were the sins that the blood of the lamb covered, did those, did that covering have anything to do with your future sin? Yes or no? No. It was only for what had happened. 
not for what was going to happen. I would love to say, because you came to the 11 o'clock North Star service, Compass True North and those watching online, because you came today, you won't ever sin again. But that's not going to happen. You're going to. Some of you are going to go to a drive-thru and get angry. That's going to happen. Some of you, before you leave the parking lot, nobody's moving fast enough. It's going to happen. I get it, all right? But the sins that you have covered are for the past, not the future. So here was the problem. Everybody look at me. Here's the problem. This debt had to be paid over and over and over. Throughout the course of your life, you would be paying off sin debt over and over and over. And you're like, Mike, I don't have a debt. Yes, you do. You don't realize it, but you do. You don't understand it, but you do. You've been incurring this debt since the day you came out of your mother's womb. You've been incurring this debt of sin. And this offering had to be made, and it wasn't good enough, and it didn't stick. Look at the next verse. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, Gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of the Reformation. Meaning, all of this was true until the time of Christ. When Jesus came, it changed everything. There is a reason you and I don't know about the tabernacle, and the reason is we don't have it anymore. There's a reason you and I don't go make continual offerings of our sin. There's a reason that I don't have like a, a drive-through window on my office that you come and confess your sin to me so I can take it and give it over to the Lord on your behalf. I don't do that, right? I don't take drive-by sin stuff, all right? And so it doesn't work that way. We, we, everything changed with Jesus. Everything changed. And this writer says this. Because of all this stuff in the tabernacle, you get it, right? You know it's a, it's a match, not a game in, in their vernacular of the day. You get it. Look at what he goes on to say. This is where it gets really interesting. But when Christ appeared as our what kind of priest? When Christ appeared as our high priest, not a normal everyday priest who goes in the outer area, but he appeared as our high priest of the good things that have come, then through greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands. This is huge. That is not of creation. I want you to say this with me with a little gusto because we're going we're gonna to get in on what this is all about. He entered once and for what? Help me out real quick. He entered once and for what? All into the holy place. He entered one time. Not over and over and over. The other priest, man, they kept falling short. They could only cover your sin in the moment. If you've ever had an interest back a few years ago, interest-only loans were really a really big deal. Oh, I'll get an interest-only. It's great. Problem with it is you never make a lick on your principal. You're just making, you're just, you just keep paying this recurring debt. You can never pay it off. These debts that were paid by these priests could never be paid off. They were like putting money on an interest-only loan. It was still due next month, right? And I wasn't making any headway. I'm not getting ahead by doing it. I'm only hitting the interest on it. I'm never hitting the principal on it. He entered once and for all in the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, 
but by means of whose blood? Not by means of blood and calves. See, see, here's what he could have done. Everybody look at me. He could have gone, okay, I, I, got, a, I got something that's going to fix all this. I'm going to take a little bit of the, blow, the blood of the goats and the calves, and I'm going to mix it in with some holy, holy powder and dirt, and I'm going to mix the two of them together, and I'm going to create a balm and a, and a salve that will cover their sins forever. It's not what he did, because you can't pay for it that way. He, the great high priest, didn't go in with an animal to sacrifice. He gave up whose blood? Whose blood did he give up? His own blood. Yes or no? Did this sacrifice cost him something? Yes or no? Yes. yes. It's a big deal, man. I remember... Um, I was not a good math student. See, you either have a math mind, English history mind. I did not have a math mind. I remember going in to get, um, I, I, eighth grade, I had algebra, and I was trekking through with all my friends, Steve, and all my good buddies were going through. And, and I remember sitting there in algebra, and I just didn't get it. And the teacher would go, does everybody understand? And I would go, yes. But inside I was going, heck no. All right. And so I didn't get it. And then I would go in for extra work early in the morning and the Mr. Skinner would sit down with him and he goes, Mike, do you understand this? And I would go, yes, with my mouth. But in my head, I went, no, I don't. I didn't get it. I wanted to get it. I didn't get it. And I remember the day that the light bulb came on for me in math when I didn't have to take it anymore. But anyways, I remember the, I remember the day that the, I took the lowest level. When I went to, this is a true story, when I went to Liberty, I said, what do you want to major in? I said, which major has the least amount of math classes? They said, communication. I said, put my name down, all right? And so I, that's, but I remember though when I would have a class and I would finally get it. I was like, the light would come on. There's a reason the writer went to the lengths that he went to to tell you this. He wanted you to get what this sacrifice cost. This wasn't just another Yahoo going in to make atonement for your sin and heading back out. No, this was a once and for all sacrifice. And when he went in, your debt was paid forever. It was a once and for all deal. He wasn't going in over and over and over again. Meaning, he has died for the sins you've committed, he's died for the sins you're committing, and he's died for the sins that you're going to commit in the future. They are all paid for by the blood of Christ. It's a big deal. Read down with me to verse number 22. Just look down to verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and yet without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins he knew it was the only way to pay for what you and I owed for he understood if you keep reading the rest of this chapter in the beginning of chapter 10 which I have time to do this morning if you keep reading through that you begin to see oh my gosh he did all this I want you to get this he did all this for me there was no other way 
There was no other payment that could handle it. There was no other way to get out of this. It took that. You know, when you think about the tabernacle and you think about Jesus, what does it do to us? Ready? Number one, pen, pencil, something to write with in your little outline this morning. God's more holy than I think. You know, I think for the people that lived during this time, there was an awe and a reverence they had for God because they created a place that they could go and see God, this tabernacle. You didn't just go nonchalantly into the tabernacle. There was an awe for the reverence of God. In fact, even the details of the ark area, all they really knew about is what others were telling them because not everybody just went in. They didn't have like a, you know, a Sunday afternoon pass to get in to see the ark of the covenant. It was in a, it was in a very holy of holy area. And I think in our society, we've done a really good job in church making God understandable I think there's a point, though, that we've lost sometimes the awe and reverence of who he is. God isn't just our bro. He's not our cuz. He's not just a, a homie we hang out with. And he is, he is the creator of the universe. God is really a little more holy. I, I, love, I love how... Verse 1 begins of Hebrews 9. Now, even when the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. It, listen, this, this tabernacle was very earthy. I mean, it had dust and it had junk and it had stuff around it and stuff blowing into it. We know that the tabernacle was because the children of Israel kept moving. The tabernacle they would take with them and the tabernacle would move. But it was a constant reminder that God is holy. I think sometimes we minimize what Jesus left to do what Jesus did. Jesus left perfection to come to imperfection. Everybody look at me. To die for it. Yes or no question. Did Jesus commit any of the sins he ultimately died for? Yes or no? No. He left, a per, he left perfection. He left ultimate holiness to come and die for our sins. Number two, my sin is worse than I think. My sin is worse than I think. You know, the tabernacle was an earthly way to deal with the awfulness of sin. Self-confession time. I'm really good about seeing your sin. I'm not always good about seeing mine. I like some time to fix my stuff. I just need you to fix yours a little quicker. Y'all ever feel that way sometimes? You know, I, I, I do better looking out than I do looking in. I think sometimes I even minimize my own sin. You know, I justify it. I um, make myself feel a little better about it. You know, typically when you, when you sin, you feel bad. I mean, so let's just get a picture. Time out. The reason we all have sinned and fallen short, sin is just, sin comes from missing the mark. 
So it's like I put a bullseye out there. If I shoot and I miss the mark, even by just an inch, I miss the mark. And the mark of life is perfection. None of us are perfect. So we've all sinned because we miss the mark of perfection. And then there are things that we do. They're actionable sins that you and I all, we all commit different variances, different grades of it. Some are worse than others in our eyes. Some are worse than others. And every now and then, your sins come home to roost. And they hit you. And you own them. Maybe they're found out by others and you have to sit and own up to them. But they've been there. They're not new. So I've, I've made a joke. I've got a good friend in here, coaches. We coach together. I've made a joke about, you know, I'll have a tendency every now and then to get on umpires. I've probably said that like a thousand times. And so I do have a tendency to say that. It's funny, and, and I, don't, I don't cuss at them or anything like that, but I'll, I'll give them the business a little bit and encourage them with the strike zone and, you know, <laughs> to shrink it for the other team and make it larger. For, and so I'll do it every now and then. While well, I was sitting in Bible study a few weeks ago, this little Bible study, I've been teaching this thing for years, and one of the umpires we have all spring came to the Bible study. And I started thinking of all the sins I'd committed. All right, right there in front of all the guys in the room. I'm going, oh, dear Jesus. All right, and so one of the guys goes, he goes, yeah, I'm a high school umpire. And anybody said, you ever had Mike before? He's like, yeah, how long you got? All right, and so, and so but, but start, you know, I started thinking about it. I don't think about what I'm going to feel. I thought about it, right? What have I, God, have I given him a hard time before? And all these things. I remember when I was growing up, you used to, how many of y'all remember back in the days of Blockbuster and Video Warehouse? How many of y'all remember going renting, physically renting a movie, all right? I remember my parents, I'm a teenager. Oh, I saw a great movie with my friends. I want to watch it with you. And you start watching it and there's words you don't remember at the movie theater. Now on television at your house and your mama ready to whip your tail, right? And so you remember that? And it's that, it's that feeling of, oh gosh, my sin is worse than I think it is. In fact, I'll tell you this, you will never get to where you are a follower of Jesus without owning up to your sin at some point. You gotta own it. Here's the recognition. He died, everybody look at me. He died for my sin. My sin cost his blood. My sin was why he came. My sin was why he put skin on. My sin. It may be trivial to me. It may have been a little lie. It may have been a little thought. It may have been a, a, a just not telling the whole truth. But it was my sin. It was my unintentional and intentional sin that he died for. Look at what it says in Hebrews 9, 7. Once a year and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people, sins of the people, we sin naturally because it comes easy. When Casey and Mary Michael were growing up, I did not go. I am going to spend today, Saturday, I'm going to spend today teaching you how to be selfish and mean. All right, we never did that one time, but guess what? It came natural. They just... They just learned it. We had to teach them to be nice, teach them to share, teach them to give. Why do we make such a big deal about this? Everybody look at me. Because Jesus is the only solution for your sin. There is no other antidote. There is no other person. There is no other way. There is no other access to God you have but through what Jesus Christ did for you. Point number three. 
and his grace is more amazing than I could ever imagine. His grace is more amazing. There's going to be a day for all of us that's going to hit you. You know what I pray? I pray that I don't get this just when I get to heaven. When I recognize the depth of my sin, but even greater, the depth of his grace. So here's what scripture says. He knows every thought before you even have them. He knows every word before it's even on the tip of your tongue. And he chooses to love you anyways. That's grace. You and I continually fall short. We continually misstep. We continually trip up. And he chooses to love me anyways. That's grace. And there's a day we will enter into heaven. And I'm telling you, when you get there, what's going to consume your mind and consume your thoughts is he did this for me. He did this for me. Oh, my goodness. He did this for me. I pray we get that here, not just there. You will get it. If you go to heaven, if you go to heaven, if you know Christ, if you go to heaven, you'll get it one day. I pray we get it here. Why? Because it would change how we live. Look what Hebrews 9 said. He, Jesus, entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And he did it one time, baby, and that was all that was needed. It paid for it forever. So I got a question for you today. Every eye on me and I'm done. Have you met this Jesus? If you haven't, I'm praying today you will because nobody on this earth will ever love you like he loves you. If you're here today and you know Christ, has that flame of your faith gotten a little, the wick burned down a little bit and it's gotten a little, the light's a little soft. It's just been a while since you remembered what he did. It's been a little while since you remembered that he did it for you. I pray today, I pray today that wherever you're at, you'll make the step of where you need to be. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Mike, I don't, I don't know Jesus, man. You're talking about it and I know my grandparents went to church, my parents went to church, and I grew up around church, but I just never, I went. But man, Mike, today that light bulb came on for me that that was for me. He died for me. And Mike, I want to meet Jesus today. I want him to take my sins. I want him to cover those sins. Can I lead you in a prayer? It's a simple prayer. It's one I prayed when I was 14. I've prayed here thousands of times in the past 21 years. The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, 
Would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If you prayed that prayer with me, there's a number that's going to pop up on that screen. If you'll text follow with your name to that number, we would love to tell you what this means. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do this side of heaven. Because only his blood can cover your sin. And it begins with that acceptance. He died for my sin. Maybe you're in here today and man, church is just what you do. Church is where you go. Church is it's in the weekly pattern. You're a believer, but uh, you wouldn't say your faith's burning bright. It did, but not right now. Man, you hear what he did today and you're like, Jesus, what you've done once in my heart, I want you to, to do it over again. I want you to rekindle that fire, rekindle that spark so I can shine bright for you. God, do it again. Do that work that you did in me. Reignite that flame again. Thanks for your once and all sacrifice. I thank you that I can come back to you to light that flame in my heart. Right where you are this morning, Compass, True North, watching online, take a second and talk to the Lord, would you?